expressed on the following broadcast do not necessarily reflect those of KHLT, Take 12 Radio, or our affiliates. The opinions on this show should not be considered as medical, psychological, or professional advice and are those of the host, co-host, and guest. Take 12 Radio and KHLT Recovery Broadcasting are not affiliated with any particular 12-step fellowship. Welcome to Entitled to Overcome, exploring solutions for life today. A presentation of Take 12 Recovery Radio. And now, here are your co-hosts, Dave Fleming and the Monty Man. Dave Fleming is in the house. Monty. The Monty Man is in the house. On this episode of Entitled to Overcome, solutions for life. Not yesterday, not tomorrow, but right now, right now, today. 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 That's right. Uh, today. 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 You like that? Yeah. Okay, you say it. You say it. Today. Today. Yeah. Ooh, wee. Well, that's exciting. All right. Well, welcome to another exciting episode of Entitled to Overcome with Dave Fleming, C-A-D-C, N-A-P-N-L-O-P-Q-R-S-T, level two. Okay. <laughs> Whoop, 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 whoop. So Dave has a question for everybody. And that question is what, Dave? Why? Tell us why. Why do you stay sober? Yeah. Why do you stay sober? You know, and and the easy answer is because I like it. You know, we want to go a little deeper than that. And and though we appreciate the over 200 and some odd comments that I got between a couple of Facebook uh, uh, groups and so forth, and they just went on and on and on and on, which was awesome. I, re- I love it when there's a response like that. Um, we, we only typed out a few, um, and some of you guys were great. Some of you went – one guy said – Get off Facebook. You need to get a hobby. <laughs> now, see, you give give them attention, yeah, and they they're going to take that and run with it. I know. I, I love so, it. Though. Expect to get some more comments. So I, but I like that. That means they're listening and reading right, right, and right. paying attention. So it's okay. And I, and I want to, you know, this. I want to kind of expand on this. And sure. Maybe we should give you guys, you know, a little more information here. Because <clears throat> I want to look at look at the. Uh, the idea that after, you know, many years of sobriety, let's say, yeah, uh, five or more, sure, well, let's let's do that, five or more, okay, that you 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 can you decide that you can drink again, right? You can drink in moderation. Um, Crossed my mind, right? Sure. Or you know, I'm sure some people have heard the stories of in the rooms where that the guy who's been sober thirty years all of a sudden decides to go. Go back to drinking, or yeah, moderately, and in three years he was dead, and or less, yeah, right, and and you know, have you had experience with that? Do you know somebody like that? Uh, has it been you? And why? And and what's brought you back, or if you've stayed there? Because some of the new science says that I don't know if it's new or not, but uh, these peer-reviewed studies talking about. People can drink moderately, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and, and uh, so there's kind of some of that movement back to that 
There is. Uh, what is it? The harm reduction model? Harm reduction, mm-hmm. smart recovery, rational recovery, all those guys, they kind of go that way. Mm, I don't, well, it depends on which – the smart recovery program that – that I know of doesn't go that direction. Don't they? Don't they say that there's a way to drink moderately if you if you have an issue, or is that rational recovery? Maybe uh, that's rational recovery. Maybe that's rational. Yeah, recovery. you know, I I, <clears throat> I was in Minnesota for a while, and they had these things called wet houses, where people would go and they basically would drink until they died. And the state, our tax, really? tax dollars paid for it. Yep, the state it's a state funded program. Wow. You basically, you live in this, you know, it's like a apartment building. And, uh, yeah. I never, I always wanted to go and check it out just to see what, you know, yeah. what the deal was. But um, I know a few people, or I talked to uh, a couple of people that had actually been through there or know somebody that went through it uh, and, and drank themselves to death as, as an alternative Ooh. to getting sober, you know. Um, I think this is a good place to do our icebreaker because this is starting to bum me out. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. It's time for Dave and Monty's icebreaker. That's right. (laughs) I heard a bottle rolling around in that one. Yeah, well, I think Cecil's been nipping on the bottle a little bit and (laughs) dropped it. Um, but the, I do. I want to. I, I do want to talk more about these wet house things. Um, I did not know that. That's a trip. But before we do that, um, this week and next week, uh, we're going to look at some uh, interesting warning labels. Okay. Okay. So this week, uh, this is on a wheelbarrow. It says, "Warning: Not intended for highway use." What? Okay. Well, depending on your frame of mind, maybe if you think you can nip well, at the bottle again. <laughs> right. If you're working on a road crew, uh, yeah, why wouldn't okay. you be able to use All it right. on a highway? All right. All right. Just saying. kind of a stretch, but okay. Uh, this is on a baby stroller. Remove child before folding. <laughs> wow. I, it makes sense, um, but do you need to be told that? Maybe some people do. Yeah, there's, there's a lot. Because they have this thing, what, it's called uh, common sense. Right. Right? Yeah, where's that? Some people do <laughs> not read the instructions. They don't. Um, this is on a Black & Decker Carpenter's Drill. Warning, this product not intended for use as a dental drill. <laughs> Seriously? Yeah. You uh, know, and that's <laughs> that's come about because somebody actually somebody did that. Somebody did. And the company was sued. You darn right. That's why I, I, I'll bet you dimes to donuts. That's exactly what it was. Dimes to donuts? Where'd that come from? Um, this is on dog medication. May cause drowsiness. Use care when operating a car. It's on the dog's medication. So are we letting our dogs drive now? Maybe with these, these self-driving cars, we can, right? Wow, 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 wow. <laughs> um, Well, yeah, that's just... That ain't, 
I don't think that's ever going to come about. I don't either. Uh, too many, too many problems. Too many stupid people. Uh, on a new dishwasher, it says, "Do not allow children to play in the dishwasher." Well, I just see where kids would do that. You know, climb the kids, little kids like to climb into things, right? So maybe yeah. I, I don't know. Yeah, it's kind of you know it goes along with the dryer thing. You know that that, that makes kind of uh, sense. Yeah. Okay. Uh, on a box of rat poison, warning has been found to cause cancer in laboratory mice. <laughs> okay. Whatever you say. There yeah, you go. They they got one here, you know, the, the warning label on the medication for dogs. Yeah. <laughs> may cause drowsiness. Alcohol may intensify the effect. <laughs> Use care when operating a car or dangerous machinery. Here, Fido. Hi, my, oh, my name's yeah. Spot, and I'm an alcoholic. Well, there people have been known to feed their dogs beer. Yes. Well, we used to blow marijuana smoke in the cat's ears and then watch the cat run around the room real fast. Yeah, or the dryer that says high spin speeds do not... Put any person in this washer. Did you ever? Did you ever climb? Know anybody or ever climb in a dryer? I knew a kid that did that. No. Yeah, he he climbed in it and they turned it on and it didn't really do much because of the weight of the child. But yeah, there you go. There's our icebreaker. All right. We'll be back right after this. Check this out. Hey, check this out. I know none of us likes to think about life insurance, but as folks who care about our loved ones and what they will be going through in the unfortunate event that we beat them to that front row seat in heaven, wouldn't it be great to know that our final expenses would not be a burden to those that we love? Well, whether you already have coverage and are not sure if you need more, or perhaps you are brand new to life insurance and would like to see what is available for you. Well, the Madison Agency of Albany, Oregon, has a solution that will fit any budget, and they'll guarantee your coverage. Here's the number I want you to call. 541-706-0189. Again, 541-706-0189 or visit them online at themadisonagency.com. Life insurance. Yeah, is it uncomfortable? Sure. But through the Madison Agency, it becomes the right thing to do. You're listening to the Sounds of Recovery here at Tate12Radio.com, Recovery Talk and Positive Music. You have tuned into Take 12 Recovery Radio's production of Entitled to Overcome Solutions for Life Today with Dave Fleming sitting here in the studio ready to talk about a little bit more about these wet room things. Our topic, though, is why do you stay sober? So they got these wet rooms for people to basically go and die. They're wet houses. They're wet houses. Yep. That just blows my mind. 
it's you know, and I don't want to put any political spin on this, but oh, go ahead. You know, it's <laughs> it's just to me, it's just it's just a way of you know putting a band aid on on something that you you're trying to control. You know. Right. And it's like, what do we do with these people? Do we just, I mean, if not there, they would be on the street. Right. So then they'd have to, you know, they'd have to spend, you know, the city would have to spend money policing these. I mean, we don't have, we don't, in Minnesota, they don't have uh, as bad of a homeless uh, population yeah. as they do on the West Coast, you know, obviously probably because of weather. Weather, right. Um, summertime is probably some more, I mean, we see panhandlers and things like that. But you really don't see uh, that many uh, homeless people uh, around. So they're either in a shelter, uh, they're uh, or they've got them, you know, wet houses or yeah, they got them in some kind of program. It seems like they they've got programs for everything. Um, but yeah, it's just is it a it, place to stick them so that you know what? It's like they're in one spot and we can. So it's a, man, keep an eye on it's a Band-Aid, like you said. Uh, is, <clears throat> is this kind of the same the same heart behind or the same thought process behind, like the needle exchange, for instance? We got this problem. At least, at least maybe we can stop some infections and diseases if we offer clean needles instead of them sharing needles. I mean, you know what I mean? It's, yeah. it's like the Band-Aid thing again. Well, they're trying to trying to lessen the the amount of people that are taking up space in the emergency rooms or in the right in the hospitals, which is understandable. True, and you know, uh, there's a lot of good people out there that are trying to help help these people out and get them yeah get them clean, get them sober, get them you know moving through the through the process or the system. But you got to start somewhere. It's like you know that they, years ago they did the condoms thing, you know, right. Um. And then they get the needles. Well, if you can, yeah, obviously, you know, if there's people are getting free condoms, there's hopefully there's a there's less children being uh, you know born born out of wedlock out of, or yeah. you know by mistake or you know some drunken interlude or whatever. But uh, you know, so they got to, you know, they um, the system, the healthcare system. It's trying to do something. Their heart's in the right place. Yeah. They, 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 uh, yeah, for the most part. For the most part. I mean, we, we all know that there's some that aren't, but. <clears throat> well, well, it is definitely not a problem that's going to be solved overnight, and it hasn't been for years. Um, I get it, and at the same time, I don't get it. Well, it's it's another one of those questions uh, that goes back to the chicken or the egg, which yeah, came first. Sure. The, the addiction or the bad parenting. Right or somewhere in between there, yeah. right? It's That's like, a really good way to put it. How yeah. do you, how do you fix it, and how do you stop the next generation from getting there? Right. I think it starts with parenting. Yeah. You know, we got to get away from this. Everything is okay, and and everything's okay in moderation. And you know, you can, you know, some people won't like this, but you can't do anything you want to. You can't be anything you want to. It's just not going to happen, right? If you're not, if something is not in your wheelhouse or you're good at it, mm-hmm. it's not everybody can make themselves good at something, right? 
you know. So this whole thing about, you know, everybody gets a trophy. It, people don't learn. Kids don't learn anything from that. No. You know. That's a nice get, idea. If but... we can get rid of the bullying, you mm-hmm. know, and then, ha- you know, have a healthy competition and help people find their wheelhouse so that they can go down the path that God has for them. Sure. You know, hopefully things would run smoother. But now we're just kind of like everyone's, out, you know, dog eat dog. Everyone's out for their own deal. and Or it's like, you know, we're all, everybody's, you know, kumbaya. Everybody's in the same same boat and we're all, we're just going to join hands together and everybody's going to go through life and get to the same we spot. We are the world, baby. All at the same yeah. time. And, yeah. You yeah. know, it's. The utopia No discipline. Idea. Yeah. Let's, let's yeah. just. We'll just you know pat him on the head and it's okay you'll 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 figure it out. Well, sometimes we got to steer him in the right direction. Sure, you know. Sure, supporting people by just you know whatever direction that they want to go, uh, being supportive of that direction is not a healthy thing. Um, yeah. So if I want to drink and do meth, mm-hmm. you know that's okay. I'll support you in that if you if that's the direction you want to go. That's not a healthy. You're not thing harming to do. anybody but yourself, so <laughs> it's okay. It's not true, right? That is like one of the biggest lies of all time that that our decisions don't affect anybody else but ourselves, right? And, and, and just making that statement and believing that affects so many people. It's pretty ignorant. It, it, it is. So the question is, why do you stay sober? Uh, and you're saying, like, at the five-year mark, for instance, why do you continue to in your in your recovery? Why do you continue to stay sober? Why do you continue to live the way you're living now versus the way you were living before? And we have a whole lot of different answers to that. Well, yeah. I mean, um, there, there's a point where you change, your whole life changes and things are good. And your your life now is nowhere, anywhere near where your life was before. Right. And everybody you're associated with is a social drinker. So it crosses your mind, right? Right. I could probably have a drink. Or maybe alcohol wasn't your drug of choice, right? Right. I could have a drink. Or now marijuana is legal, right? So now because I had a a guy that I've known for years said, well, it's legal now. As if if that changed his addictive nature because – the law changed. Something in him miraculously changed the way he, his body reacted to marijuana. And I'm like, what? So I right makes no sense. And it's legal in some states, not federally. Exactly. So it's still a federal offense. Right. Yeah. So what about? Okay. So here's you. You hit on something about the circles that we surround ourselves with. So most of us, when we got into recovery or we walked into the 12 step rooms or into treatment or whatever, one of the things that we heard a lot of was about changing your playgrounds, playmates and playthings. And, and, and so the environments that we were in that were unhealthy, we had to find a way to cut that loose. And yet we've taken things out of context. For instance, in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, where it talks about, you should be able to even go to an old-fashioned whoopee party, right? And we've taken things like that 
and said, and then it says, providing you're in fit spiritual condition. Well, if you're in fit spiritual condition, why would you want to go to an old fashioned whoopee party? That's my question. Um, well, yeah, and, and what that means uh, may be different today than what it was. Than what it was then. Today. And it was. If you looked up the definition of that, it's not what we think of today. <laughs> um, and so, you know, if you have, it talks about if you have business being there. For instance, if you're a locksmith and you're an alcoholic who's in recovery and you have to go change the locks at the local tavern, you have business being there. It's part of your job. Right. And you should be able to do that without freaking out about having a drink. Um, uh, but there's, I, a, I, lot of, there's yeah. a lot of people, though, that think, well, I, I can still go back to the casino and hang out with my old drinking buddies. I don't drink, but they do. And I tell them, don't worry about it. That's your business. If you want to have a drink in front of me, that's cool. It, uh, it's my prop. And I get that. And, and that. and that is true. But why do we insist so many times on going back to the old playgrounds and then we freak out and wonder what happened? You know, so why do I stay sober? I think that question demands that we look at some of our old behaviors that may be not old behaviors, but still current. Well, I guess the question has to be, why did I get sober? Ooh. Before we ask, why do I stay sober? Good question. Well, when I first came in the rooms, I wanted to get sober because I wanted the pain to stop. Mm. That was my that was my only reason in the beginning. But then as my sponsor took me through the steps, I discovered a whole new attitude. Right. A whole new reason. Today, the mm -hmm. reason I stay sober is because I have a passion in my heart to be of maximum service to God and the people he puts in my life. And I can't do that if I'm drinking. Amen. And that's why that's why I stay sober. Now, that isn't necessarily what somebody else stays sober for, and that's fine. Uh, but that's not what it was in the beginning. Right. It was all about me in the beginning. You know? It's I, I, a selfish program. Oh, yeah, it's a selfish about. program, right? <laughs> but you can't keep it unless you give it away. So I'm going to keep it. So I, I want to keep it so bad. I'm going to cram this big book down your throat. And I'm going to make sure you get it, man. <laughs> How's, how, how did that work out? Uh, not well. My first year, I was going to. I went to this one meeting. It was my home group up in the hills, and I told them, "You guys are not obeying the traditions properly." Oh gosh. Let me tell you, you how one it's of those done. Oh guys. my gosh! I was. You were an NA or an AA Nazi? Yeah, I became Sorry. one very quickly because what I did Poor was reference. I just I just switched switched quickly switched addictions because it was about control and I wanted to, to I want you know that that part in the book where it talks about all the actors on the stage and everything right I thought I was the director and if you would just stay put and do your, what you're supposed to do in this yeah. case follow the traditions you know. Because they're written in stone, don't you know? And if you don't do that, then you're ruining AA as a whole. I mean, I was horrible. And then my sponsor said, um, Monty, the traditions are written in jello, dude. Jello. <laughs> they should not be broken, but they must be flexible. You need to get a life. <laughs> 
I was like, what are you talking about? Oh, I need a new sponsor because you're not telling me what I want to hear. You know? <laughs> Dude, I was a crazy person. Oh, my. Um. <clears throat> Yeah, because I, I, you mentioned that you know why you know you ended up going, you know, stay, getting sober uh, and staying sober. You know, for me it was uh, I could not drink and I could not not drink. not drink, right? You know, or use. Yeah. Um, and I I didn't want to I didn't want to be like that because I I was still in this. You know, I had issues with something controlling me. And uh, so I didn't know what was going to happen. I know that God came in and took the obsession away from me. Yeah. Which was scary because then I didn't, I didn't, I needed to know, um, I don't know how to live life on life's terms, you know, I don't without some kind of chemicals in my system. So when I came into the rooms, it was like, you know, I don't know, just, I'm just going to be a sponge and I'm going to. Uh, I'm gonna follow the direction because I did, I tried to do it every other way before, mm-hmm. um, and it didn't work. And so I was gonna give it one last uh, the old uh, as they say college try, right? And do it to the best of my ability for an entire year. And at the end of that year, if my life has hadn't changed, uh, I decided that I was gonna go back <clears throat> to doing what I was doing. Well, the funny thing about if the program, if you work it to the best of your ability. Your life doesn't, it can't help but change, you know? Right. So even if you're not an alcoholic, if you work those, those steps to the best of your ability, your life will change or an addict, your life will change. Imagine what will happen if you are right. Right. And your life is going this downward spiral that does not have a good ending to it. Circle in that drain, right? <laughs> and then all you end up hearing for the rest of your life is, <laughs> "Wow, where did you? Where does your drain go?" <laughs> oh man! So yeah, it's I don't know. The whole staying sober, there's a whole lot to that, you know. Uh, I know I can't go back because if I go back, uh, I won't make it. I won't last very long. I I know that. God pretty much told me that. So that's why I'm not going back because I enjoy the life I have now with my family and my friends and work. Um, But, you know, occasionally it goes through my brain. Don't sure, that, it would be nice to have a drink. You that know? doesn't mean that 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 you're obsessed, though. No, no. And a lot of people think that okay, if God removes the obsession, it'll never cross my mind again. No. And, and or some people will say, well, if you think about it, then God hasn't removed the obsession. Now, I don't think that's true. Uh, yeah. You know, <clears throat> I don't know. I I think if you, it's based on your spiritual. Daily spiritual condition, right? It, right. That's what it boils down to. Uh, because even if you just have that moment, that that fleeting moment of, you know, we joke. I jokingly say every once in a while, I sure picked a bad day to quit drinking. Right. Right. Yeah. Fourteen years ago, but right. <laughs> um, I mean, I I caught myself 
uh, I was visiting my uh, my daughter in Minnesota um, back in October. Yeah. And uh, her roommate was moving out, and there was some like bottles of alcohol on top of the refrigerator. And I was like, well, she's moved out, and, and it's still here. <clears throat> you know, so then I sure. had some concerns, you know. Uh, you know. So I talked to my daughter. She says, oh, those things have been there for since we moved in. Right. You know, they've been there for a couple of years. I was like, oh, okay. Well, you know, if you ever do need need any help, you know where to call, right? <laughs> but uh, uh, she had a bottle of tequila on top of the refrigerator, you know, and that was one of my that was one of my drinks. So I popped the top off that sucker and I put it up under my nose and I took a big whiff of it and you know I smelled it. I was like, oh, that smells so good. But then it also my brain goes to. If I were to drink this, yeah, my life would fall apart, and I would probably be dead very soon mm-hmm. thereafter. Um, and I don't want that. So, you know, I mean, I've gone into uh, stores like Walmart, yeah, and have the scent of meth. Oh, sure. From whatever, sure, yeah. You know, at two o'clock in the morning, you go to Walmart to because this one. There's not very many people except tweakers, right? Uh, but I, you know, sometimes you have that you know the smell it, it's or you in see the air, the people, yeah, for yeah. whatever reason. Um, and it, uh, my brain goes to, if I were to use, it would not be a good thing, right? So I choose not to. Okay, so let me. This is really good because because there's a there's a platitude that is said many times in meetings of all kinds of of recovery meetings, and that is keep it green. In other words, think it through when you're tempted, think of the consequences. And I think, this is just my opinion, I may be wrong, see what you think. I think that once the obsession has been removed by our higher power, once our creator has done that for us, that that works. But if that hasn't happened yet, hmm. just keeping it green is not sufficient to keep you sober or clean. Right. I agree. I mean, I see it in people all the time and talk about, you know, they go to they go to meetings or they're in treatment and they they you know, they say that they're not the same person. Uh, they've turned their life over to Jesus. Um, but you can tell that they have their their heart hasn't changed, right? If you you know what I'm talking yes. about, it's they they go through the motions, right? They kind of do the act as if, mm-hmm. um, but it hasn't changed, and mm-hmm. though, that really scares me. And those are the those are the ones those are the the the, the people that I gravitate towards because I want to make sure help them and understand that you are at high risk here, just yeah. because you've been sober for a little while and you've said the words. Um, you need to pra- take some time and practice these things because uh, you're probably going to fall. It might not be over something major, but it might be over little things. And you need to work with your sponsor, your mentor, or spiritual advisor, whatever, to help you get back or stay on track. Right. Um, and just thinking it through is not enough. Right. Because why? Why has God removed the obsession? Part of it, you know, He will not render us white as snow without our cooperation. What's our cooperation? Working 
the 12-step program, working what maybe it's not a 12-step program, maybe it's another way of doing it, but you're you're plugged into it, you're following the directions, you're following it through, and you're doing it. And what I see people do is they're meeting dependent, they're even step dependent instead of the one that the steps are pointing to. Um, they're sponsor dependent or they're church dependent instead of the one all those things and people are pointing to. Well, it, and that's all based out of fear. They're, it's the fear of the unknown. Right. Right. And they, they get into, they may move forward a little bit and then find some comfortable spot, nice little warm. And they rest there. They place make, to, yeah. to cuddle. Yeah. Uh, and then they don't go past there, you know. Right. Uh, how many people do you know that uh, said they're, that they're stuck on the fourth step? Right. We lose a lot of people at step four. How long have you been doing a four-step? Uh, about six months, a year. Three Or years. I'm on my sixth four-step. I mean, I don't Yeah, I, seriously? <laughs> I hear that, too. Can you, can you, you're a big book guy. Can you tell me where it says in the big book that you have to do a four-step once a year? It doesn't. Or once every five years? It does not. Okay. What it does say is we continue to expand on our spiritual condition. What it does say is that, uh, you know, the things that we're able to do, we're able to do based on the maintenance of our spiritual condition, things like that. Right. Step 10. Yeah. So 10, 11, and 12 (laughs) actually are more than maintenance steps. They're the continuing to grow steps. And and so if some people want to do a four-step every year, fine, go for it. But if you're dependent on that for your sobriety, you're in deep weeds. If you're not dependent on the one that the book talks about being dependent on, the only one that has that power, and that's God, if you're dependent on anything else. Now, in the beginning, you know, when I came in, I was I leaned heavily on the G.O.D., the group of drunks thing, right? And and I did, but I got told very early on that I better not stay there too long. And that's when I was introduced to the chapter We Agnostics, where it explains that you better not stay there very long. Right. It's 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 like staying in kindergarten until you're 34 years old. Right. Yeah. And you're still eating graham crackers and <laughs> taking nap naps. <laughs> and so then you but get your pinky and bobo. Then you get that mentality of, oh, my God, if I don't get to a meeting. If I don't get to a meeting, uh, oh my word! If you don't get to a meet, if that's what you're basing your sobriety on, wow! I get it if you're new. Well, yeah, but we're talking about five years and up. Yeah, yeah. You you should have a a pretty stable plan and a backup plan, right? Developed by that point. Yeah. So you know, some people say, "Oh, money," then you're anti-meeting. Not at all. Not at all. But I'm not anti-church, and I'm not anti-treatment, and I'm not anti-sponsor. But, man, if you're depending on those things and not the one those things are pointing you to, I'm just saying good luck with that. Well, and, yeah, so we, we've we've kind of kind of gone off uh, off the track here, but I just want to f- say one more thing about this this line here is that I, I see this all the time. You've probably seen this. I know there's other people out there that have seen this where you got people that go through treatment, you know, mm-hmm. five, six, 10, 15 times. You bet. It, it's not, I think the problem is it starts to become that we become institutionalized, that it's easier. I don't have to make any decisions, right? We need, 
for somewhere along the line, people quit uh, doing things on their own. You know, we have to be able to pull ourselves up by our bootstraps and start making good decisions and, and doing things on our own. And Emotional that, sobriety. It's crazy, man. Yeah. It's like, come on. <laughs> the old question is like, why, why are you here again? Well, right. I don't know. I'm trying to figure this out. I know a guy right now that is in a program right now for like the fourth time or something. He knows all this stuff. He, it, it, he already knows it. He needs to be home with his pregnant wife taking care of his family instead of on vacation, which is basically what he's doing. And I see this over and over and over again. Um, but let, let's go back to to the topic. Uh, why do we stay sober? So one of the reasons I stay sober, I don't want to go back to treatment. <laughs> I love you guys, but I don't want to go back there. Right. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I can't imagine how, I mean, that would keep me sober more than anything else. I think the humility, uh, uh, humiliation, I should say, of, I, yeah. of having to go back to treatment. After you've been, you've had a number of years being successful. It's like, well, you know, the point is we're supposed to, you know, stop and say, ask that question. Why do I right. stay sober? Okay, reminder. Like for I've I've got uh, this year I'll have fourteen years, right? And so Yay. I still need to do something on my you to bell. work on my <laughs> spiritual condition, right? Because if I don't, I could very easily fall back into bad habits or develop some new ones that could be worse. May lead me back to using something. Yeah, because there are worse things than maybe your drug of choice fourteen years ago. There's suicide. There's harming other people. I mean, there are worse things than drinking. Well, I'd have to have those chemicals in my system before I would do those things. So. But not everybody's th is that the case. Uh, Kelly B says, I like being able to see my children every day. I like being married. I like to be able to look at myself in the mirror and not feel totally disgusted with myself because of what I've done the night before. I like not waking up in the field next to my house, wondering how long I've been laying there. These are just a few reasons why I'm sober. Uh, I like that. Uh, and so we're looking at all those consequences. He doesn't want to repeat that. Nick M says, because I don't want to end up in prison or die a miserable alcoholic death. And I enjoy many of the blessings of sobriety. I don't ever want my kids to see me drunk or put them through the hell I went through growing up because of this disease. So here he's thinking of somebody else. He doesn't want his family having to tolerate that stuff. Michelle says, because the people that love, I love this. This is all about other people here. She said, because the people that love and care about me deserve to not have to spend their time and emotions on worrying for my well-being. That's my job. Today I can give back to them the love and support they freely give to me. All right. Amen. Those are pretty powerful reasons to stay sober. You got any favorites there as you're looking at them? Oh, there's, there's, uh, there's, there's so many. Here's another guy, another guy, Barry S. that talks about, 
other people, you know, drinking right. and drugging. It made a complete mess of my life. I hurt people, lost family and friends, and had precious little in the way of anything spiritual, emotional, physical left. I've been sober for a few years now, and my family is back. My mom saw her son sober before she passed. Oh. I have friends and job and more blessings than there are stars in heaven. Good for you. I am grateful every single day. Her, her, mom, her His mom got to see him sober before she passed. That wow. Is, that is awesome. What a gift to give someone, you know? Right. Mm. How do you say this? Romanita? Rom, Romanita. Is that how you spell it? Romanita, I think. Yeah, Romanita R. Because I don't want, didn't want to hurt my kids anymore because I got tired of feeling depressed and wanted to die because I wanted quality of life because I am so worthy. Amen. Uh, that is the big. That's great. Right? We, yeah. we are worthy. We right? are. We just have to believe that we are. Because of his worthiness. Right. He's made us worthy. We're not this piece of junk. We're not this, you know, I, one of the things, and I understand the guy's heart, but I, when this one guy always introduces himself, and he's been in the program for years and in the rooms. Hi, I'm so-and-so. I'm just a drunk. And I'm like, wow, really? I mean, are you drunk? No. Then you're not a drunk. When when do we get... I mean, one of the reasons I stay sober because I don't want to be that person anymore. Why would I call myself that? That's why I don't call myself an addict anymore. Somebody asked me that the other day. In fact, my guests that they're going to be on the show next Wednesday asked me off the air, do you consider yourself still an alcoholic now that you have new life in Jesus Christ? And I said... Well, there, there's several ways to answer that question. I said, for sake of time, let me just put it this way. I consider that term now, it's simply a medical term for me. That means I have an allergic reaction to alcohol. I'm allergic, I'm allergic to it. A breakout so, in handcuffs. Yeah. <laughs> but I, 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 th- something happens to me that doesn't happen to the normal tempered drinker when I put it in my body. So in that sense, yes, I'm still allergic to alcohol. If that's called alcohol, being an alcoholic, then that's true. But I am not defined by my illness. I'm not defined by my diabetes. I'm not defined by my alcoholism. I'm not defined by any of those things. Right. I'm defined by my relationship that's in God today. Yeah, and I I switched how how I introduced myself because I had my pastor's uh, wife ask me one day, she goes, why do you still call yourself an addict? Mm-hmm. Or alcoholic. And I was like, oh, tell me more. I said, well, you're not the same person. You've changed your life. You're a new creation in Christ. Right. You know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm like, hmm, yeah, that makes sense. Because, and also, what I learned, uh, part of why I stayed stuck so long is I was using negative reinforcements in my life. And to me, uh, calling myself something that I'm not. I'm, that was a negative reinforcement. Is a negative reinforcement, <clears throat> which... Uh, I mean, if you understand what that means is that sometimes, maybe not always, that can lead you back to that same behavior that you are trying to get away from. And so I choose not to do that. And I tie that in, into the disease concept, as you say. I have a, a, a little analogy called my Twinkie analogy. Right. Uh, you want me to share that with you? You going to pick on the Twinkies you now? You to share that with you? Yeah, go ahead. Right. <laughs> <clears throat> so Monty goes to the doctor. 
And the doctor says, Monty, stop <laughs> eating those Twinkies. <laughs> right? You've got cancer now. Now, boy. If you stop eating the Twinkies, the cancer will go away. Yay. Right? So Monty stops eating the Twinkies and his cancer goes away or goes in rem- the remission, in remission or whatever. Right? Yeah. Uh, so does Monty go around still telling everybody he has cancer? No. What does he say? If somebody asks me, I've, I've recovered. Or you're in remission. Or I'm you're in recovery. I'm in remission. Right. Yeah. You don't go around telling everybody you still have cancer. No. But you know that if you go back to eating those Twinkies, your cancer will come back and you will probably die. Right. So it's the same thing. Yeah. Right? It's just a fun little analogy that... Sure. You know. See, and I do the same thing with peanuts. I yeah. say, I, I say. so if I'm allergic to peanuts and I eat a peanut, I swell up like a balloon, <laughs> the doctor hits me with an EpiPen, and while I'm in the hospital... Do you fly around the room after that? <laughs> right. <laughs> all, all the air comes out. While I'm in mm. the hospital, I'm in recovery. But once the swelling's gone down and they release me from the hospital, I have recovered. Am I still allergic to peanuts? Yes. Right. Right. But I'm not in recovery from the peanut allergy, but I'm still allergic to peanuts. So I have to do certain things to not eat the peanuts. You bet. And if I'm in a room of PA, Peanuts Anonymous, Anonymous. I may, to identify with the newcomer, I may say, yeah, PA. (laughs) Hi, I'm Monty. I'm a penaholic. I may say that. Whoa. Say it slowly, Dave. (laughs) Peanut. Peanutaholic. There you go. Uh, You know. But and, and so one of the things that Chris Schroeder says, and I really like this, he says, I have recovered. He's got a payday. If you can't see it. Listen, he's got a payday bar sitting right in front of me. Um, he says, when I when I go to when I speak at a convention of Alcoholics Anonymous or in a meeting, I will introduce myself as an alcoholic. If I introduce myself as a recovered alcoholic, I will lose half the room. Right. But I make sure that somewhere in my talk, I make it very clear in my talk that I have recovered right. because that's what the book says we do. Right. Right. And so if, if I'm speaking at an AA convention, I will do that as well. If I'm, if I'm, it depends on where I'm at, but I will always make sure that they know that God has removed the obsession and I do not identify, I don't identify myself by, my frailties or all that kind of stuff. Right. You know, I don't go walking around saying, hey, Monty, I'm fat. I mean, it's obvious. I mean, you can tell right away, but I don't need to shout it from the rooftops. You know, so so I get it. it you know, when in Rome, I suppose. But right. if you have recovered, if that's one of the reasons you stay sober is because you want to stay in a state of recovered. You should let people know that. Right. Because the good news is we can keep it simple, not keep them sick. Well, and people forget that the forward to the first edition says those of us who have recovered. Recovered. Right? Right. We forget about that. And it doesn't say that uh, that I, maybe you, you know you see something that I haven't, but I don't remember saying anywhere that we have to call ourselves addicts and alcoholics and we have to do it for the rest of our lives. No, there isn't. There isn't. Okay. That, that, that's, more of a, that's more of a fellowship thing right. than it is a program thing. Because I, I, I know exactly what you mean when you say – you know, if you, however you introduce yourself, yeah, is important because you, obviously you want to keep your audience. Um, I choose to call, you know introduce myself as as a, a person in recovery. Yeah, 
Yeah. Right. Right. Every once in a while, I'll say recovered, depending on my audience, just to kind of shake things up a little bit. Sure. Because you know, there's going to be oh, I know. half I the know. room are going up. Oh, he's in denial. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and I and then I go, have you read your own basic text? Oh, okay. Well, read that and then come back and tell me I'm in denial. But I think it's important that we we explain what that means. It's because I do too. It, you know, getting sober and then staying sober. The, the difference is, is getting sober is is like. Uh, yes, I have to identify myself as an addict, alcoholic, or whatever, um, because you know you got to recognize. I'm an in issue. kindergarten, right? Right. And so I need to, you know, I need to learn how to walk before I can run. You know. Yeah. And so, uh, and then I graduate, right? I I work through my first round of going through the steps, you know, and then I start helping somebody else. And now I've got some time under my yeah. belt. <clears throat> now I'm in recovery, right? Yep. And then yep. you you know you're out there helping someone else. I mean that's that's kind of the way I look at it. I think the system has got I has set this up. You know, this is just my own personal viewpoint to keep people stuck. It's sure. kind of like that revolving door, you know, the yeah. job security, right? Yeah. Because yeah. if you always yeah. think of yourself as an alcoholic and addict, at some point. At some level, you may – odds are probably higher that you're going to relapse uh, because you are telling yourself that. And if things get bad enough, you may just say, oh, well, I'm – you know what? That's what I am. Right? That's what yeah, I that's am. That's what defines well. me. That's right. what defines me. So so, so mm. I, have, I have diabetes. You have diabetes, right? Not for long. But you, you don't – neither one of us are shouting that from the hilltops. Uh, in fact, there's they have di- di- diabetes support groups at most of your local hospitals yeah, that meet once a week. Pe- yeah, that's a whole different topic. No, but I know, yeah. but I've never I've been to a few of them, and I've never heard anybody say hi. I'm Lisa, and I'm a diabetic. I've never heard that. <laughs> I, I've heard hi, hi everybody. My name's Lisa, and I'm I'm here because I want to learn how to control right. my eating well, or whatever. Like celebrate that. recovery. It's or any other faith-based that I've experienced, you introduce yourself by your first name and that's it. Yeah. And maybe some people, or I'm, I'm a grateful believer in Jesus somebody Christ. Somebody will say that. People yeah. add, add stuff in to make themselves. Yeah. I'm Dave and Dave's my problem. <laughs> you know, well, we all know that you don't have to tell us. Dave <laughs> and Monty's my problem. Well, it's interesting because in the big book, Alcoholics Anonymous, it says, uh, you know, a fellowship of men and women, right? It doesn't say a fellowship of alcoholics. Right. Isn't that interesting? Hi, my name's Dave, and I'm a man. <laughs> but I think it. I think how would the, you know, how do you think that would go over? Well, <laughs> I'll try this one. The big book says that he is the father, and we are his agents. Right. So introduce yourself, Dave. I'm Dave. I'm an agent of God. It's in the literature, but watch what happens. I did that once, and you could have heard a pin drop. It's like. Uh, new topic, new topic. Well, you're one of them. <laughs> we don't talk about God here. <laughs> yeah. So why do you no, say... No, they don't say that. They say we don't talk about religion here. Right. Which is... Well, what's interesting, What's in, one, the, one of the other reasons that I stay sober is I want to continue in my growing in my relationship with my creator. And when when my... When I'm 
got mind-altering substances in my body. That's the last thing on my mind. And so it's interesting to me that in many 12-step fellowships, we're told to get a higher power, but then once we get one, we're told not to talk about them. I don't get that. But I, I, right. I look in the literature, and we are told to do that. Now, we're told to be general, we're to, but we're told to never apologize for it. Uh, so so it's, it's a, one of my main, and hopefully for many people, one of the main reasons that we stay sober is to continue in our relationship with our creator. And I got to tell you, if my creator says, you need to talk about me and I don't, <clears throat> then I'm not practicing step three, which is I turn my will and my life over to him. And then he tells me to do something. I say, no, I'm not going to do that. Then I haven't turned my will and my life over to him. So why am I staying sober? For me, that would be a big question. Because I want to keep my job. I want to keep my house. I want to keep my wife. I want to keep my dog. My dog. My car. My friends. My freedom. My gnome collection. <clears throat> yeah, you, you, you'd probably sell that off to support your addiction. Yeah, come on, be honest. Yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah. Oh my goodness, <laughs> Monty be out on the front lawn, surrounding himself with all his gnomes. That's right. I don't need nothing. I just need my gnomes. I just need my gnomes. So, ask yourself this week: why, why, why did you get sober, and why do you stay sober? Really, I mean, it, it, I hope it's more than. Because it's cool. Well, and I like to challenge everybody to go out and help somebody else. Yeah. Right? Because that's, b bottom line, that's part, I think it's a, at Huge least, least 50%, yeah. if not more, of why we stay sober is because we get to help other people. Yep. Amen. Because in that, we're helping ourselves. So if, if you're feeling down today, if you're feeling like the bottom of the birdcage... Yeah. Ever feel like a bottom of a birdcage, Dave? Ew. Uh, and you've been sitting on your no. blessed, either figuratively or literally, been sitting on your blessed assurance, feeling sorry for yourself. Let me encourage you with this song by Shine Down as we close out. Called oh boy, called Get Up. Nice. Here we go.
it comes to you and me I'd rather twist myself in knots and watch you give up on your Down with their song Get Up. Visit their website at shinedown.com. Listen, until next time, this is the Monty Man along with Dave Fleming, and we are wishing God's perfect serenity for you. And remember, because of his great grace and love, you are entitled to overcome. This has been a broadcast of KHLT Recovery Broadcasting.